from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 virus is impacting all parts of the alcohol beverage industry, as well as to provide a bit of hope and a path forward for all of us. Today, I'm talking with Joe Campanale and Dave Foss, co-owners of Lalu. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. It's our pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. So, you know, I'll let both of you take the, this question. Uh, one of you take this question, but I mean, I uh, obviously live near the the wine bar restaurant, so I'm well familiar with it. But for those that aren't, can you give listeners across the country a sort of a picture of what Lalu was prior to uh, COVID nineteen? Sure, I'm happy to take it. Uh, this is Joe speaking, by the way. Uh, so Lalu is a wine focused restaurant in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn. And it's a partnership between Dave and myself. And Dave and I are our friends and longtime collaborators. We started working together in 2011 at, at a wine bar that I was a co-owner of called Anfora in the, uh, in the West Village. Um, I'm no longer part of that. And actually, when I left that group, Dave and I pretty quickly decided that we wanted to do something together, open up a wine bar or wine-focused restaurant in uh, in Brooklyn, where we both live. And at Lalu, we focus on wines from around the world, uh, most specifically Europe, and especially wines from Central and Eastern Europe. And all the wines that we have there are organic, biodynamic, natural wines, uh, all independently owned wineries and wines that are made in an artisan way. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously, you know, prior to all of this, uh, you know, you were one of the most talked about uh, wine-focused restaurants in the city. Um, can you walk me through sort of what has happened since COVID, sort of how you guys dealt with the news initially and what you've been doing? It's now been two months. So what you sort of, what happened initially when the city said it was time to shut down, when you made the decision potentially to shut down or not, and then what you've been doing since then? So I there really was no planning involved in in what happened it uh it happened so fast i think you know that week joe and i were talking uh with our accountant and you know the conversation wasn't oh, are we going to shut down this week it was it was a, oh i think it, i think it's going to be a soft week i think people are nervous to go out and then you know thursday came and it started to get a little more dire. And then by, by Saturday, we were like, they're going to shut it down. I don't know when, but they're going to shut it down. And then we just, you know, we took everything as it went. Everything kind of happened on a day-to-day, if not an hour-to-hour basis. So we had to, to do everything on the fly. Um, I think the week before, we started scaling back our wine inventory. Um, so we were starting to scale back our purchasing. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is that as this was happening, we were already reeling from the tariffs, which is something that nobody was, nobody's really talking about now. But I mean, that was, that was our first emergency was these tariffs. And we had just started to like, we had just came to like some kind of semi temporary conclusion to that. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, COVID-19. Right. Everybody's got to shut down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot, 2020. Um, I mean, a couple months ago, all of us were thinking that if these tariffs come through, that it's going to be the end of the industry. Um, you know, we were looking for alternative wines. We were looking, you know, we're looking for 
Australia, South Africa, South American. And, you know, we were just, we were concerned about our livelihood and, and how our business was going to change then. Um, and little did we know that that was nothing compared to what was to come. Right. And, you know, so we didn't really have a, a cohesive, you know, action plan or contingency plan to address a virus. I don't know that anybody did. I don't know that anybody out there, you know, really prepped for this. And, you know, so we just adapted and, you know, that, I think that Sunday when we got the the call that it was, we had to shut down, you know, Joe and I hopped on the call and it, I, we, the first thing that we did was we, I think we decided that we had to let everybody go because we wanted them to get an unemployment. We wanted them to be first in line to get unemployment because we didn't know how long this thing was going to last. And I think it it was for me, it was one of the, the toughest decisions and one of the toughest things that I've ever had to do is to lay off our entire staff. And it, it hurt. It was incredibly hard and emotional. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Dave said. And, um, you know, Dave and I started talking about and planning uh, Lalu in 2016. Um, we finally signed the lease in uh, early 2019 and got the place open in the summer of 2019. So there was a lot of like planning to get this place open. We had really thought through types of wines we wanted to sell, the type of service, everything. It was so thought through. Uh, There's tons of financial planning, speaking with our investors and accountants. And for us to have to close on such short notice was really just like whiplash for us. Um, as, as Dave said, like as a new business, our cash planning is really like on a week to week basis. Um, and the week before we, uh, we really had no concept that we would be closed, uh, that, you know, by the following week. And, uh, when Dave and I realized, you know, first, our first step was some of our employees are telling us that they're not comfortable coming to work. So we're going to let them know if you're not comfortable coming to work do not come like no penalty from us. Uh, we don't want you to come to someplace where you're not comfortable. Um, and it was, I mean, that day and then the next day we said, you know what, I think we, we both thought that the city was going to shut down uh, restaurants and we're like, let's get ahead of this, but we're going to, we're going to shut down. I think we shut down one day before it was, uh, it was mandatory. We did. Uh, we shut down one day before and there was, we had a brief conversation about, you know, what else can we do? But at the time, our first concern was for safety. And, right. you know, it's like we we discussed, like, do we want to do takeout? Are we built for takeout? Do we want to stay open as, you know, a wine shop temporarily? And at the time, it, the environment was so volatile and we knew so little that we didn't think it was right to to do any of that if a we're not it's not our forte it's not something we've we were prepped to do and b is it going to be safe for our employees to even come in and so at that point we decided look i think it's we just need to shut it down completely until we know more facts right so i mean you guys have you guys set up an employee fund correct that was one of the first things we did we realized that 
um, you know, our employees also weren't able to do cash planning for themselves. The, most right. people in, in the industry uh, live paycheck to paycheck. And um, we recognized that unemployment uh, was going to be hit in a way that it, it's never been hit before. I think, you know, everyone, everyone realized that. So we reached out to uh, our community to ask them to support our employees, uh, something against something we never had to do. And uh, luckily, you know, they've been pretty supportive about that. Uh, we've been able to cut checks to everyone, but we're keeping the employee fund open. So, you know, I'd encourage any of your listeners, if you, if you want to support our, our team, you can go to uh, Lalu Brooklyn Employee GoFundMe. Um, and we link to it through, uh, through our Instagram as well. So, so in regard to that and, and some of the other things you guys, you know, had thought about doing, being, you know, obviously a, a wine bar restaurant that had up until that point gotten a lot of accolades, a lot of attention, but was still kind of new. Um, I mean, you guys haven't even hit your one year anniversary yet, right? <laughs> no. So, I mean, was there, was there a, like, w- was there a fear amongst you guys as owners of like, I mean, you know, there's people that have come here and, and, and drank, but like, are they going to now support? Like, have we built that, you know, that feeling among consumers that we're a place that they, that they're willing to fight for yet? You know, w- w- were you guys scared? What were you, what were you thinking in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I feel lucky that uh, we built a community at this point. Um, one of the things that Dave and I spoke about a lot for, about this location was how many wine retail stores there are on uh, on Vanderbilt. There's a wine retail store every other block, and <laughs> um, that meant that meant uh, so there's three in six blocks, and that meant to us that wow, there are wine drinkers here, but there really aren't a ton of places to to drink them in a restaurant or wine bar. Um, so we were pretty quickly able to build a, uh, a good community uh, and tons of regulars. But, you know, I think I feel bad for people, for restaurants who are in the construction phase or maybe were planning an opening during this time. I think we're fortunate that even in that short amount of time, we were able to build uh, a pretty good community of, of loyal regulars. So you you mentioned something that, that I'm, I was curious about. Um, asking about because it's something that we've had discussions of in the uh, in our editorial meetings. Obviously, now not in the. I was about to say in the office, and that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> but you know, one of the things you haven't done is gone into wine retail. Uh, there's been a lot of other restaurants that have. Was a consideration for that also that, as you're saying, Joe, there's already three wine retail shops on Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not the longest street for those who don't know Prospect <laughs> Heights, Brooklyn, um, and that yeah, like doing that as, as Dave, I think you were saying would just be bringing in employees potentially who may not have a lot of people coming into the wine store. You know, we did a, uh, a one day wine sale the weekend after we closed. And, um, I don't know if it was social distancing or what, but, uh, there were lines around the corner for that. It was, it was super successful and we're going to be bringing the wine sales back on weekends starting this Saturday. Okay. Uh, so every weekend, yeah, every Saturday for now. Okay, but it's we're putting all the all the tools that that we have at our disposal now. All the understandings, you know, we now understand this thing a little bit more, and so you know we understand like you know the uh, what do they call it the no the no the pickup. My brain has stopped working. 
<laughs> we, just, we just understand better how, how to make it as safe as possible for for our customers and for ourselves as well. Uh, and so we're taking everything that we've learned from the from the first one and applying that for for future uh, you know for future sales. But I think it's what Dave was saying before, where we really wanted to wait and see. There was so much that was unknown about. The way this virus acts and how uh, how it's transmitted, um, and it was especially scary when every week uh, the cases were getting worse and worse in New York. There's more hospitalizations. We're paying close attention to that. Um, now it seems like there are ways to do this that that are that are safe that don't put us or our, our customers at risk. And uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, I think a lot of you know a lot of our customers know that retail wine retail has been really strong uh i'm hopeful that people want to come and just support uh the restaurant as well i think that you know that was an aspect of why people shopped with us we're we're next door to an outstanding wine retail store vanderbilt wine merchants we we love them um but i think that there's an aspect of you know people want to support a, a, a restaurant and if you come and buy wine with us there's a greater chance it will be able to to reopen as a restaurant in the neighborhood. Interesting. So I have a question. Um, I hope you're willing to answer, which is a little bit around this for for the listeners of ours who are also business owners. So obviously, I think some people who would listen to this would re- recall the the episode we ran a few weeks ago with the owners of Mr. Paradise, who said they're sort of doing cocktails to go and delivery one day a week more as you know, a way to work through their inventory and as a way to keep some, some staff occupied and put some money in their pockets. And as you know, obviously a business model. Um, so I am curious in terms of, the, you know, opening just one day a week, what the thought process was behind that. Like, obviously we all know as New York city residents that it's real estate here is very expensive. Um, and it's super expensive to keep employees. So, you know, one would conclude that opening one day a week wouldn't be enough to, to get through all of those things. Um, so I am curious if you, if you could answer why the one day a week was what you guys decided to do and what you see that sort of those profits going towards. I think that the one day a week is to kind of see what the need is for the neighborhood. Are people going to be willing to like come in and, and buy wine? And if, if it's successful, I know that both Joe and I are all about like expanding that and you know, having a couple more days of operation, but we need to gauge the interest before we go full blown on it. Right. Um, before we use all those resources, um, we need to know that it's going to, that it's viable. And do you guys have to sell food too? Or are you allowed to, under these new sort of loosening of regulations, are you allowed to just sell wine? No. Okay. And do you plan, do you think you might do delivery? Um, I'm not, now just, now just a selfish question. Cause I live on the other <laughs> side of Fort Green Park and like, just want to know. No, you know, there's no, there's no plans for delivery uh, at this point. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, okay. And I, I certainly agree with everything Dave said. I think that another aspect of why we want to do one day a week, and and you know, you've correctly identified that, you know, it's a, it, it's a low margin business as it is. One day a week is not going to uh, be a long term business plan, but it is really a great way for us to stay connected with with our community of, uh, of people who love Lalu and, um, bring them, have them be able to have a taste of Lalu at home during this time. 
uh, when I think they'd, they'd like to have that. So that, that staying connected to our community, keeping them engaged so that when we do reopen, they're still connected to us, they still remember us, I think is really important as well. So before I move on to, I want to ask you both questions about businesses you also own separately. But before um, I do that, I do want to jump on, Joe, something you just mentioned, which is, you know, reopening. Have you have you both thought about what that could look like at all yet? Like, is that something you don't even want to think about until we have any clarity from, you know, Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo that that's even something that's going to start happening? Dave and I like to talk, we talk about this a lot and um, we like to imagine what a reopening uh, might look like. Uh, there, There's two things that are really keeping us from being able to truly uh, plan. And that's number one, not knowing a date. Um, and if we knew a date right now, that would help us uh, with cash planning, with keeping our people uh, informed. Um, it would help so much to know the date. And then also just not knowing what the regulations are gonna be like when uh, you know when that happens. Like, are we going to need to invest in our physical space to make our physical space safer? Um, you know, are we going to need to, how much are we gonna to need to spend on PE for our, for our uh, employees? You know, those sort of things not knowing those sort of things really um, uh, makes it hard to envision what the reopening will, will be like. Uh, but what I, I can say is I feel confident that uh, there was enough um, negativity around the 50% capacity rule that they put in place right before we uh, were, were all forced to close, where they said that restaurants and bars had to operate at 50% capacity. And then you saw these pictures all over Twitter, Instagram of restaurants with 50 people at a bar. And maybe the owner would say, uh, well, it's a hundred person capacity. The 50 of them just ha happen to all be at the bar. Um, so I can envision a, a scenario where they're saying, okay, at bars, you have to be five feet apart, at tables, six feet apart, and that sort of thing. Um, and that would really mean that our capacity is, uh, is down to 25% uh, capacity or something like that, really, really low. Um, and then something Dave and I speak about a lot is if that is the case, we have 25% capacity, we're gonna need to do two things. One of them is, renegotiate with our our landlord a, a a different lease that makes more sense for our current business but then also come up with other revenue streams you know we i think we both feel like the sit down restaurant that is sort of at the mid-tier where all you do is sit down and dine inside a restaurant that that might be a thing of the past we might it might have to also be pickup delivery meal kits wine classes yeah, something else to supplement that. Well, Dave, as someone who um, you know also work, you know, has another business where you are a consultant in the world of restaurants. Um, how much do you think? How likely do you think it is, from what you're hearing, that places like New York may keep some of these laws loose so that what Joe is talking about is possible? So that maybe Lalu is able to reopen at twenty five to thirty percent capacity, but also sell wine to go, and you know, allow someone to come in, maybe have a glass and then be like, oh, cool. I love this. I'm going to take the bottle and head back to my apartment. 
I mean, I wish, I wish I had the answer to that. Um, <laughs> because, because state liquor authorities are, are so complex and their decision making has always been a bit confusing at times. And so it's really going to take pressure from the top, um, or pressure on the top to force those rules to be, you know, maybe not permanently changed, but, uh, change for a longer period of time, have that, you know, these rule changes be extended. Um, Cause every state is different. And in New York, it's, you know, the SLA can be, can be challenging at times. And, you know, if, if it did change, it would, it would help. It would make it easier for us to conduct business. It would make it easier for restaurants and bars to get by during these tough times, because we don't know how long this is going to go on for. We don't, we don't know, like we do not have a timetable. It could be six months. It could be a year before we're full. It could be a year and a half before we are allowed to be back at full capacity. And that's, it it may not ever be the way it was. Right. We don't know. Well, um, Joe, before I ask Dave another question about um, what he's seeing nationally with some of the restaurants he's working with, I wanted to, to touch upon one of my favorite restaurants, Fausto, and ask how everything is going there. It's very close to Lalu, obviously, um, but what have you? Is there anything you've done there that's different than what you've done at Lalu? Um, has your was your approach been the same? Um, if you would give us an update, that'd be amazing. Uh, thank you, Adam. I pre- certainly appreciate you coming into Fausto. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Fausto is my uh, Italian-focused restaurant in uh, Park Slope, Brooklyn. But it really, it's about a 10-minute walk away from Lalu. And uh, for the wine lovers there, there's uh, it's about a 50% Italian wine list and then French, Spanish, and American wine list. Uh, with similar ideals around artisan wines made by independent wineries. Uh, an organic, natural, biodynamic. Um, Fausto, Fausto is a little bit older than Lalu. It uh, we opened in 2017, the end of 2017, and um, we've actually established a pretty robust delivery business via the app Caviar. And uh, for the week after we close, we actually use that week to run through all of our. Uh, perishable food and did our six busiest nights or five busiest nights of delivery service in the history of the restaurant for that, for that entire week. Um, but besides for that, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much in the same boat at Fausto. We're also talking about, you know, when does it make sense to start uh, doing seller sales, doing other, we did a, a two day wine seller sale at, at Fausto, which was thankfully also very successful. Um, so we're gonna start doing those up again at Fausto as well. Um, and uh, potentially add in a little bit of food there, uh, but very much in, in the same boat. It's, it's a wait and see it, with both of the businesses. It's keeping in touch consistently with our, our landlords um, that no one is really ready to make a long-term commitment to a, to a new lease, which, uh, which I understand because there still are so many question marks, but, uh, I can say they've, they've been, you know, open to communication, which is, which is good. Um, 
and uh, and and we'll see. I think we're we're also fortunate at, at Fausto that we we've built a, a really good community of uh, of people who who love that restaurant and feel connected to the restaurant. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd say that we're fortunate at both Fausto and Lalu um, having these restaurants that are more uh, neighborhood focused restaurants versus uh, you know a restaurant that relies heavily on uh, tourism uh, or business is that I think the people who who come feel connected to it and you know it's a restaurant's part of their neighborhood um, you know tours, uh, tourism I, I really don't have any prediction as to when tourism is going to come back to uh, to New York City but you know people are are living in the neighborhoods that they live in and I think they want to support the uh, you know their their neighborhood restaurants uh, more. Um, so I think, I think that's one, one fortunate position that, that we're in. That makes a lot of sense. So Dave, a question for you um, before we, we close out, which is, so you are also obviously, as I, I mentioned earlier, a co-owner of Invictus Hospitality. You guys consult all over the country with restaurants and bars. What are you seeing across the country? Um, and what, what are you seeing across the country that is different, I guess, from what you're seeing here? We, we've definitely talked to more owner operators in Los Angeles and New York than any other location. So if you could provide a picture of my, maybe what's happening, I know before we jumped on the interview, you were talking about a place, I think it was in, was it Virginia? You know, all the restaurants, you know, from a financial standpoint are, are pretty much in the same position. They've all had to pivot. They've all had to figure out ways to make money. They've all, you know, had to lay off their employees. So there, there is that. But I think, and I'm going to preface this because in, in New York, you know, we are the epicenter of this. You know, you're hard pressed to find someone who doesn't know somebody who, who, you know, has been ill. You know, I know I personally know people who've passed. Um, it, it, it's affected New York in such a, in such a way. It's, it's so hard for us to see outside of it. So you, you get outside of it and people haven't been affected the same way personally. You know, we have clients in Montana and, you know, they, they understand everything. They're like, I get it. I understand all of it. The state has seen, you know, not many cases. I think they've, they've got like 470 cases in the state and 16 people have died. So it's not as immediate for them. So they, their mentality is, is they just don't understand and it's frustration. They, they are empathetic towards it, but they just want to be able to open. It doesn't affect, I mean, look, three weeks before this thing went down, None of us expected that we were going to be closed, so it didn't affect us either. So it, it is a different mentality when you get outside of these major markets. They understand, they're empathetic, but they a lot of them just want to open. I also think that it's going when it comes to restaurants specifically. I think bars are another story, but I think when it comes to restaurants reopening, it's they're going to have an easier time than us New Yorkers are. And I think if you use the parallel of, you know, we have, we're consulting on a place in Lakeway, Texas and, you know, all their employees, they're driving to work. They're not taking the subway. They're not, they're not putting themselves at risk getting to work. And then when you get into these places, I mean, you've been to places in Texas. I mean, I, <laughs> I remember sitting at a restaurant in Houston and this was like two years ago. And I'm going like, wow, the nearest table to me is like five feet away. This place right. is massive and cavernous. 
it's much easier to be socially distant in, in a place that has more square footage. I mean, in New York, we have to capitalize on every single inch of real estate, whereas there, they're you know, like, ah, let's spread it all out. <laughs> so it's a little, I think I, and this is just my opinion. I think they're going to have an easier time once they reopen than we are in New York, but people are frustrated. And I think another big thing that is, is so different, you know, before this thing happened, I, I had been talking to, you know, potential clients in the New York area and, you know, they were like, let's open a restaurant. I want to open a bar. Um, what do you think? Yeah, all those people have said, you know what? Uh, uh-uh, I'm, I'm I'm dropping out. Right. I don't I don't think I want to open. I we get weekly inquiries about people in you know outlying states, and they're saying, you know, I think I want to open a restaurant. I think I want to start looking in, you know, Q1 of next year of 2021, because they see an opportunity. They feel like uh, everything that's happening is going to shut down restaurants that some people aren't going to make it out and that it's going to be, there is going to be an opportunity for them to make money. Right. And so they see opportunity, which is very different from what we see here. People are, you know, willing to spend money right now outside. Whereas in New York, we're, we're hoarding every single penny going, yeah. <laughs> we need to get by. We need to get by. So it's just a different mentality. Um, people are frustrated. People are obviously scared. But it's there's less immediacy and less danger, so to say, for them. Because, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people. I had a conversation the other day, and and it was with a guy in in, uh, Massachusetts. And he said, look, man, I I understand you're going through it in New York, but I don't know a single person who's gotten sick. Um, My friend works at a hospital, and they haven't – they've had one case come through. So – just to give you like a frame of reference of where their thinking is at. Yeah. I mean, it makes it look, it's, it's frustrating for us here in New York to hear that. Cause we're like, man, we're going through it like crazy, but it also, it makes sense. You know, if you're, if you're not coming in contact with it every day, you kind of don't understand why you're still closed and why you can't go out. Well, Joe, Dave, I want to thank you guys so much for um, taking the time to, be really honest about what's going on at Lalu, how everything at Fountain is going, and, and Dave, what you're seeing with Invictus Hospitality. And as always, we wish you guys nothing but the best. And if there's anything that anyone here at Vine Pair can do in the meantime, or any of the readers can do to support you guys, please let us know. Adam, thank you so much for having us on. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. And we can't wait to have you and all the Vine Pair readers into Lalu and Fausto as soon as it's safe to do so. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for having us on. And and once it's safe to do so, uh, we definitely need to grab a glass or a bottle of wine. Uh, definitely will be a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Take Bye. care. Bye.